0: what's up everybody welcome back to the rodeo wagon podcast brought to you by the western edge app and produced by cosmic cowboys we're here with travis finley owner of sling and shanks probably the best known spur company in the bull riding world (laughs) what have you been up to been busy uh been real busy actually (laughs) just making spurs every day usually Are you? Do you just do boride spurs? Are you in the equine side at all? I'm I'm in the equine side a little
1: bit.
2: Like, like if somebody wants to order a set of horse spurs, like I'll build them how they want to. And I've gotten a lot into the fancy side of it, the engraving and the silver and all that. And I've took a few classes on horse spurs and how to build bits and stuff like that. But boride spurs will always be the passion and the and the main source.
0: And did you, uh, did you, you said you actually, did you learn to ride bulls? Did you ride bulls under Ray Cox or do you just live with yeah, him actually, and learn trade? I've
2: like been getting on calves and steers up until probably from five till maybe 16. And then we lived in Muscatine, Iowa, which is about two or three hours away from Ray's. And we would go down there and practice. And then when I graduated high school, I went to live with him. And like he he basically taught me everything from life to boar to everything.
0: Man, that wild peacocks, and you never knew no. what you were going to see when you showed up to Ray Cox farm. Never knew. No. You're like like a they, buffalo they out in the field it. or something. Yeah,
2: they always say that you can't teach a guy how to try, but I, I really believe Ray could do it.
0: Man, he, you know, Ray Cox's way of teaching was so fascinating for me. Like when I went up there, because I spent the first year, I didn't go to anywhere else, I didn't go to any rodeos. Yes. I just went up to Ray's and I told him, I said, when you think I'm ready to go rodeo, then you let me know. And so he kind of took me under my wing at that, under his wing at that point, but he never really taught me like, Hey, you need to use your knees more or you need to do yeah, this. Exactly. But what what he would do is he'd put me on certain bulls and he knew yeah. that certain bulls were going to create feels and I would feel certain things. And really that's how he taught me was just putting me yeah. on different bulls that he knew would create feelings in my writing that I was going to need you know, as I continue. Yeah, that sounds, sounds exactly like I didn't think about it
2: at the time, but it sounds exactly what he was doing with me. Like I remember I, the first week I, I lived with him, we bowed. hay, it seemed like all week. And he looked at his, his son, TJ Don. He looked at him. and He said, do you think he's worked hard enough to get on a few bulls? And like,
0: I, I was completely drained. And that was a, became a weekly thing yeah <laughs> yeah and it, he freaking he back in the day he did it all he was bull rider bronc rider saddle oh, yeah. rider, yeah. and i think he boxed too freaking
2: yeah he he did everything It seemed it seemed like he had a part in everything like he said that he, he helped um invent the first bucket machine like like i know so many stories about him and like he was at the, he rode, he competed at the NFR where Freckles Brown rode Tornado.
0: He, uh, I believe he lived with Jim Shoulders there for a while. Traveled. Yeah. With him anyway.
2: I don't, I don't remember any Jim Shoulder stories, but I
0: definitely don't doubt it. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah. So that's kind of crazy that, you know, you kind of got started right there. I had no idea until the other day when you were saying that. Cause that's yeah. where I met Matt Weary's, Caleb, yeah. Rose, those guys.
2: Well, see like
0: anytime somebody brings him up
2: like like it's it's a name you don't hear of especially right now but like he made such a difference in so many people and like i don't feel like he gets enough credit for it
0: yeah 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 for sure i think it's one of the places at least around here where you know there's not too many places to get on bulls, you know out in texas and stuff like there it's everywhere and I mean, yeah. right here in Missouri, probably in Illinois, it's not like there's just tons of places where you can go and get on quality stock, you know, if you're starting out or, you know, even if yeah. you are more advanced without traveling, you know, a long ways.
2: And and it was like at his house, you didn't have to
0: look for something that fit. Like he knew exactly which
2: one would fit you. Yep. And, and. I don't know about when you was going out there, but he had bareback horses, saddle horses that he'd run in the practice pen. Like you, you could do it all there.
0: He he had them there, but um, there wasn't a whole lot of guys at that at that time frame yeah, when I was I did, there. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of guys getting on horses, so it was more just not as enough guys getting on. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because I, I I don't know how the practice pen was was arranged with you but with us it was every Wednesday Saturday and Sunday $35 all you could ride
0: yeah it was $35 all you could ride and it was every Sunday and then I would okay. go up on like Tuesday Wednesday every now and again with Caleb Rule and yeah uh, so but so how did you you kind of went from there how did you get introduced into the spur making
2: the well that was back in 98 when I stayed with him And then I rode bulls real heavy from probably 99 till 2013 to 15. And I had a buddy of mine that I was going with that was, he was wanting to try a new pair, a longer shank. Because back then, like the three inch shanks was, everybody wanted them. And so, Instead of him going off and paying somebody to build them because there weren't hardly any spur makers like for boron right. back then. It still and, <laughs> yeah, and and I told him, I, I said, well, I've been wanting to make my own spurs. And I said, just let me build you a pair and and see how you like them." Well, I built them, and then I had the owner of TK Specialties, he's seen them, Michael Bodick. And then he he said, "Who made them spurs?" And then he pointed to me and asked me if I wanted to do a wholesale agreement. And it it caught fire after that. And then probably a year into it, I'd I'd known JB ever since he was little, and I'd seen him at a at a local rodeo. He was he was a pickup man, and I asked him, I said, "JB, if I built you a set of spurs, would you wear them?" He said, "Why not?" <laughs> He said, why not? And ever since, ever since he did, like, I'll tell you, what he has done for and shanks is, I, I can't explain it.
0: Well, I'll say this. There's nobody out there that, you know, I don't think is even in a position to be able to compete with kind of the brand recognition that you've built up within this community, in the bull riding community specifically. What? And I've even talked to, you know, I was at... Uh, mm-hmm big uh, cutting championship and worse and uh really well-known spur maker you know was talking about you know dabbling into the boride and you know the boride spurs and and he's so he's talking and i said well there's not a whole lot of guys out there but there's you know Sling and shanks pretty much owns the market and and you you put quality spurs at a, a very affordable price for you know bull riders. Like yeah. you know, the the prices, the price point that you're putting out there, it's gonna be hard to beat for the quality that you're making. Well, like I've been to several gatherings with other
2: sperm makers and they all tell me to raise my price, but I was in the bull riding world long enough to where <laughs> I know there's a ceiling to it. Like like in the horse world, there's no ceiling. Like they yeah, can right. go out like 10, yeah.
0: But in the bull riding world, they just ain't going to do it. Yeah, if you if you charge four hundred dollars for a pair of spurs, you're going to get you're going to be hard pressed to get very many bull riders. Yeah, there's exactly. there's some out there, and but th- but there's so many guys out there that you know when I started bull riding, when I started, I really wanted to try my hand in saddle bronc, but I couldn't afford a saddle, and yeah, right where I was, exactly. I didn't even know where to learn because I was in a place in Missouri yep. where it wasn't prevalent. And so bull riding was a cheap way to get into rodeo and I just could borrow equipment. And, you know, like I bought, you know, when I first bought my equipment you know, it was like 200 bucks I spent on, you know, bull riding equipment. So like, I think that's a huge part of it as well. And, and, you know, there is becoming more money in bull riding. So guys are making more money, but I I know what you're saying. In the equine world, there isn't a ceiling, but there certainly is in the rodeo world. Yeah,
2: and and like, it kind of hurt me in the beginning stages of of slinging shanks because I was always looking at it as as I was the customer. Like I wouldn't pay this much, so there's no way I can charge this much. And because my my theory on it, and it may or may not have cost me going certain places, but my theory on spurs especially was I could buy a forty dollar saddle barn set. And buy five sets of them that ruin before I could buy a $200 set. Yeah. That that five cheap sets would outlast that
0: one good set. Right. Yeah, so I guess on that point, you know, because I was thinking about this, like to, you are making high-quality spurs, and, yeah. you know, for, for some guys, they don't go through spurs that often. Some guys are switching their equipment up all the time, you know. Yeah. How do what does that look like on as a on a business side of things? How do you look at you know how you can you know? Well, like I don't know if you provide value. What what do you do on in terms of that? Because some guys will go five I, years without getting a new set. I have really like like put a
2: lot of thought into that exact question. Like like I've even thought of coming up in. and like I said, right now it's a thought until I get interest. I've thought of like a spur subscription.
1: Right? Oh, like like
2: yeah. Where, yeah, where like based. you pay a certain amount every month, but that guarantees you so many pairs every year.
0: Sure. Yeah, and that's not a bad yeah. idea. And I think that, you know, uh, for a lot of guys that subscription based is actually really beneficial because, you know, some guys may not be able to afford two hundred dollars right now. But yeah. they may yeah. be able to afford, you know, twenty dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. Or $10 mm-hmm. a month, you know, and it'd be like, well, you know, if I do this, then, you know, I can, I can maybe, you know, afford to make sure that each year my equipment's staying updated. Yes. And yep. it's more affordable to me monthly because, you know, a lot of guys are still on months to months, you know, paychecks. And, and, and... And, and,
2: the, and the main reason why I've thought about that is because I, I see sling and shanks come back on the market, like in some of them for sale pages on Facebook and, they're selling them for what they paid for, so I know
0: that <laughs> the value is there. Hundred percent, yeah, it and, definitely is. Yeah. and I think another thing that you did, and I'm not sure, uh, which was an interesting deal, um, like what you were doing with the co shell rails. Yeah.
1: And yeah, what was
0: what like, was behind that? Like, what were you
2: behind that? Is like for, I probably haven't looked hard enough, but ever since I started slinging shanks, I've been trying to. Find a way to whole, get wholesale PBR routes, oh,
1: like okay. get an
2: account to where I get them, and I I can't find anything on it. No joke. Yeah, and I like I I know Beastmaster and Rodeo Mart that they have them, but I don't know how they they got them.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what what I wonder what wholesale co shell routes even cost. I, I have no
2: idea. Like I've I've searched top top to bottom looking for it,
0: and
1: because
0: I figured. I figured
2: if I if I give somebody a, a fifty dollar discount on a set of Rouse, if if they trade in the Rouse, then it works both ways. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I always get questions on do do you care PBR routes? Do you because you probably get people that are buying the Spurs and they want Rouse with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess since since I've been you know the PBR every year, it's part of what we pay in when we buy a yeah. PBR yeah. card is is to get Rouse, So and i don't yeah. i don't switch up my equipment just a ton um so yeah. i've just you know i'll get some of them rounds just laying around for there for a minute oh, yeah. i was even I was trying to get the brazilian rounds and every different kind of rounds that they allow just not cuz i'm going to yeah. use them just because hey i'm going to hang them on the wall uh-huh. i don't know yeah i, I don't blame
1: <laughs> yeah the, the, like,
2: like them like you brought up brazilians like like i i love working with the brazilians like 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 especially Eduardo Aparecido like oh yeah he, he's like my i guess Paulo Crimber is the the interpreter for the PVR Eduardo's like my interpreter for the Sling and Shanks like, <laughs> like when the new guys come over he'll order spurs through him but he'll give them like they'll end up in their hands and like he like I, he's probably ordered 16 pairs this year no joke,
0: yeah, and so then you have that. you you know guys that probably order a bunch, and he yeah. probably will help in other guys order too, so he'd probably order yeah. a bunch for you know all of his buddies. Man, the first time I got a like true Brazilian rope, um, I was at an event, and I got it from Kyler Oliver. And Eduardo, because yeah. I was just going to put it on, the, just put it on right there without a stretch, yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. He comes over <laughs> and he takes it over and they got a the whole system together, pulling out the pliers, twisting oh, the I, freaking I handle him. over. and
2: <laughs> I, I would be willing to bet that Eduardo studies equipment better than any person in the world. Because like <laughs> he, he'll, he'll order a pair of spurs that are 0.2 centimeters different in the last period. Of it. And <laughs> like, like because a lot of them Brazilians that they, they don't deal in the English system, the inches and the Yeah. It's, it's always centimeters with
0: him. Does he tr- okay oh, that's interesting? I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah.
2: And and it <laughs> took
0: me a while to, to
2: I guess relate to how they look at things. Like like the very first one of the first Brazilians that I built for was Glareman Marchi. And when he messaged me, he said, I want my spurs three fingers long. And <laughs> I, I couldn't understand what he meant, three fingers long. And then he sent me a picture with just his three fingers next to a shank.
0: That is. I'm, funny. Thinking, I'm thinking,
2: I'm thinking, I know you're a little bigger than me. Your fingers are probably different.
0: <laughs> but he didn't know any other way to relate it that's awesome do you do you sell like much to over in brazil like do you have many people in i, I have ne- I've, only sent,
2: I've only sent one pair actually to brazil and like the other like i've sent one pair to brazil one pair to england Um, who there's bull riders in england no joke yeah yeah. i I was amazed at it too and i sing quite a bit to canada and quite a bit to australia
0: yeah hey there folks i want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand sombrero brands as a professional bull rider i know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good but can withstand the toughest rides out there and that's exactly what sombrero brands delivers their hats are custom fitted and shaped to perfection with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero brands apart is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this, the founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed.
2: I would love to find a
0: distributor
2: like Canada and Australia. Sure
0: yeah yeah definitely um yeah that, that's that's interesting yeah once you get into that that international waters it's uh you yeah. oh, it opens the door tremendously because there's, there's a lot of bull riders in in australia there, there's a yeah. ton of bull riders in brazil um I, yeah. the language barrier is probably the biggest thing when you're talking about well i've
2: brazil. learned google translate is my best friend when it comes to that because they'll send it to me and i'll, I'll translate it and then actually as a favor to them and out of respect for them i'll try i'll type it out and it takes forever but i'll type it out and translate it into portuguese and send it back to them
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah even at the event sometimes i'll do that if i'm talking to somebody that one of means yeah. that they can't really speak very good we'll just he'll pull out his google translate he'll type it in and then go back and forth. Although anymore most of the events there's there's always somebody there um that can speak decent English. Oh okay, trying yeah. to communicate. Yeah. But a lot of times like you know the ropes and stuff. Although you know, I I will say that I, I feel like this past year there hasn't been quite as much equipment, but in years past, in the Brazilians, there's always, you know, one or two of them that's got a lot of equipment there, whether that's – I think maybe the ropes has to do with the, the PBR rule system, and so they're yeah. not just carrying a bunch of ropes to sell just because, you know – it okay, like yeah. the judge is going to go over there and check every single one of them or mess with it. I, have
2: you seen their
0: um their shank style on their spurs? I have. I actually um I tried that. So uh um in California, Junior Patrick Soda. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I I saw what they were doing with that, and so I had him send me a couple different sets of different styles, and I yeah. tried them out. I you know I I went back to. You know, my regular and then honestly, this this last year, it was mid season when I made my spur yeah. change. Tremendous mm-hmm. change. I don't know. So I guess I don't know if Andrew Alvidres had had you make them or if he told mm-hmm. you to make them some like somebody else, but then Keith Hall told you to make them like Andrew Elvidrez. Like and I'm then I mean. saw Keith's yep. and Keith is like, Man, he's like these will get a hold. And so I said, make mine just like Keith. And then uh um Dakota Warnkin he sold he yeah. mine and he's like, I want that. Dang, yeah. freaking slinging shanks is going to have to like brand these and call them something. I do actually. Those are, um, they're listed on the website as the
2: Kelly style. The Kelly style. Okay. Yeah. The reason why it's Kelly style was because back in like the 70s, maybe even earlier or later, but there was a, a Kelly style Boron and it had that same style of shank.
0: Okay, that's kind of twisted. It's almost a twisted shank. Well, the Kelly style, I've never
2: seen any of the old Kellys be twisted. Like, I really think that was a new thing that came along when Jerome, like, Jerome Davis got partnered with Saddle Barn. Or CLG, whichever one he
0: was paired with. I, I really think that was part of his idea. That was part of his idea. That's interesting. I'd never had one that was twisted so much. And I mean, I think for me, too, is like the progression on like when you're getting on really good bulls that are bucking hard, you have to use your knees so much more. And when you're using your knees so much more, it's not as natural for you to get your toes turned out quite as much. So by getting some, you know, rows that are, you know, I like the teardrop, but then the twisted in like that, I don't have to I can knee up and I don't have to like really focus on turning my toes out a ton and you get hold, you know, and I think that's where I I found that they're exceptional. and
1: well, that, that's, the,
0: feet.
2: that's the exact reason. Um, I've talked to Jerome about it, and he said that's the exact reason, like, he kind of, like, I guess, followed that design was because he, re, like, if you watch a lot of videos, he was knees in, toes out. Yeah. And right. he said whenever his knee would come up, it would cause the top of his row to dig in if it was twisted. Interesting. And like, uh, like a fun
0: fact, JB always has me twist them a little farther, a little farther. Huh? Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't, you know, again, I've had ones that were more turned in, but that twist and I, I really like that. And yeah, and Jess Lockwood, he said the same exact thing. Like the first pair I ever built him,
2: they weren't twisted at all. And then he wanted to try a set of twisted ones,
0: and he said he'd never change now. Yeah, I won't either. I'll, I'll be, I'll be with twisted. <laughs> and I, yeah. to be honest, I, I kind of went, you know, the same way with like lengths and long versus yeah. short. Yeah. And I had the three inch. Um, For me, the long shanks, my feet bounced a lot more, you know, shortening the shanks definitely kind of prevented my feet from bouncing.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what JB... The first pair I ever made JB, they was three inches. And eventually, he, he changed it, and he said he wanted to go shorter than that because it felt like it was
0: pushing his ankles out. Yeah. It was... It is great, which... It doesn't really matter. Now, I've used the Brazilian rope for so long, but back when I had American rope, you could grab your freaking knots with them long shanks. I'll tell you (laughs) what, you didn't even have to try to. You just freaking nod your head, and you start moving your feet, and you'll catch them. (laughs) As as a sperm maker, it it kind of became a fad, like a
2: trend or whatever, that the long shanks, everybody wanted them. (laughs)
0: i think jb probably had a lot to do with that because jb did have long shanks back in the day and
2: well he even talked about it it, on tv so yeah the thing is now everybody thinks he's got such long shanks but like i don't know which pair he's riding with now it's either two and a half or two and three quarter yeah but most of the time I'm, i'm pretty sure it's the two and a half pair and people think that they're way long. I think it's because he points his toes
0: so straight that yeah. you see the whole <laughs>
1: side of the fur.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I mean three inches is really long. Honestly, yeah. two and three quarters is pretty freaking long shank, and two and a half is a long shank. If you buy uh, a I two agree. and a half inch shank, you bought bought a long long shank, you know, two inch that's you know, that's gonna be on the shorter side, and then your two and a quarter is probably your standard.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I would
0: say, like I came up with a, kind of a theory with a boron
2: spur, to where I I believe that if the shank is turned in farther than the inside of the heel band, you're kind of defeating the purpose because it's pushing your ankles out and your toes in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying.
2: And so, so I come up with two measurements. That's that's pretty close to. To near perfect, in my opinion, and That's that'd interesting. be that'd be two and a half at twenty eight with a twist, or two and a quarter at thirty three with a twist, huh? And and the reason why I come up with these two is because the end of the the shank is in the same spot on both of them, just one shorter, just one shorter, because because of the shorter on the two and a quarter, it's turned in more to to
0: hit that same spot. Sure, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's 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 interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: What did, did Cole Fisher? Did he ever get slinging shanks? Yeah, yeah. He what did. did what did he use? I'm curious because he freaking he was knees up, and I did, later in the career he turned his feet I out a honestly, little bit more. But he didn't much when we get were first starting. <laughs> th-
2: this sounds terrible, but I honestly don't remember, and it's only because he ordered shortly before he got hurt. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. so he'd
0: yeah. only used them... Yeah. I, I would
2: say maybe six months. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But I don't... Most time, if, if it's something way off normal, I remember it. So I, I wouldn't say it was too far too, off. Too off, yeah. But
0: like, what's I, I've what's built the, some... What's, what's the most extreme you built? Well, it
2: goes like a couple I don't know if I should name names but I'll I'll tell you about the spurs yeah
1: good like for like one,
2: one spur probably the most craziest was one you know how have you ever seen an offset shank spur where it's like not in the center it's off to the side
0: oh yeah yes I have okay yeah
2: now this spur the guy wanted offset on the other side like say it's a right spur he wanted the shank to start from the right side <laughs> and come in like ninety degrees.
0: What's the logic behind that? I don't know.
1: That's I, I, I could
0: not tell you.
2: The the only thing I could even remotely think is is not. Like like you, you put your you put your feet in and then you just turn your toes out and it like <laughs> latches on. And then I've had, I, I guess the the overall aspect of this set isn't extreme. It's just the length. Like I had a four and a half inch set. damn that
0: yeah, that's pretty freaking extreme. Was it a taller guy? Or he said he, he was six two. I think. That's but not, I mean, four and a half inch. That's that's crazy. I know. In like, yeah. you know. Like you know, growing up on horses and stuff, you know, you always hear you know, the longer the shanks, the taller you are. But it, I don't, yeah, I don't really think that applies to boar riding a whole lot, to be honest.
2: Back in the early days, like when I was riding a lot, that they they would say that all the time. But now that I'm I'm a spur maker, I, I don't think it
1: matters.
0: Yeah, I don't think it does. In fact, I think that when I went to three inch, I did that on that premise. Yeah, um, yeah. and. I, it's not. I don't, I don't, I think, and, and, I don't and know who, who came I, up. I don't know who came up with it, but, um, you know, at least it certainly in the boring world. I, I don't think that that principle holds true whatsoever. I, I, I agree with you.
2: Like, like, and the reason why I say it is because that, that same shank that JB wears, two and a half at 28 with a twist, there's so many other guys that wear that, that. And and we can we can just admit it. Nobody's like JB, no. <laughs> and so there's so many different guys, size wise, um, uh, like style wise, that that wear that same spur and they love
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, and, and now probably do, you, probably do you go ahead? Or, uh,
2: I was going to say probably the most logical spur that i i got out there that makes the most sense to me other than the, the dimensions i i just mentioned would be jess Lockwood's. just like that. and what he does is he drops the end of the shank like a quarter inch lower than the heel bend oh really that, i think okay. yours i think your yours andrews dakota's and it's yeah it's
1: i, I yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I guess, they're a little, yeah. like I think Jess yeah, Lockwood is. Yeah, Jess Lockwood is a little lower. That's probably a what a quarter and eight. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little bit lower than that heel band, but you can yeah. see. Yeah, let's see if I can turn it too. Yeah, you know, that that bend in it, but yeah, these are um, these are probably my favorite set I've ever had for sure. <laughs> yeah. And freaking, you did a great job on the freaking Western Edge emblem. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you do, you know, obviously you do custom spurs, but do you do, like, do you have a, a, enough people ordering the same kind that you just make, you know, standard ones that, you know, if somebody orders one that you pretty much know you got something in stock?
2: I have tried for 10 years to have something in stock and I have. I've been blessed in the fact that I've never been able to reach that
0: point. It's just because you're so busy. Yeah,
2: but I do offer, like, I don't know if you've seen on the website. I do offer, like, and and I feel like I'm ripping people off, but I have to do it. If you want them one to two weeks, if you want them finished and shipped in one to two weeks, it's 25 extra.
0: If you want them finished and shipped in three to five days it's 50 extra i don't think you're ripping people off at all in fact i think that you know especially in your position as in in a niche market because let's be honest the bull riding spur market is a niche market um you you have to find ways to be able to monetize your business in a way that makes sense for you to do it like you know especially in a niche market where what you're selling you know this this spur to be honest, I'll never need another spur again, most likely. Yeah, you know, exactly. I won't need Neither to get wouldn't. another spur. I, you could probably, most of your spurs, you probably could wear almost your entire career. Outside of freak deals, I like I understand yeah. you're on a, you know, 1,500, 2,000 pound bull and, you know, there's accidents that happen in shoots. Outside of anything crazy, like these spurs last so long. So as yeah. a spur maker and, you know, just you doing this like you're not getting rich like you're not yeah. getting rich off of making bull riding spurs you know you know but hopefully you're able to make enough money to be able to justify doing it and and it's something you love to do so you oh, know, definitely little things yeah, like good. that I think that if anybody doesn't understand that then that's on them because I honestly yeah, yeah. I think that's important for you as a businessman
2: it's it's like I told you I, I've been to a couple gatherings like they had the they had the annual bit and spur gathering and like the first year there was a hundred different bit and spur makers and I was the only bull riding spur maker uh-huh and you talk to all them other spur makers they don't want anything to do with it <laughs> Be, because of all the different variations and and the the low price point like like they're trying to push out. Thousand dollar spurs, and all their spurs are shanked straight out
0: for horses. Yeah. yeah. So, so
2: it complicates their their models.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: And and like I've I've another thing along with like the subscription, I've thought about doing like a Boron spur class, like where oh, you really? come for like like three or four days and learn how to build a set of Boron spurs.
0: That's that. I that would be interesting. I'd I'd actually not because I'd probably ever do it, but that would be yeah. something I'd do just for, just to freaking learn. You know what? You could also do on that front is even if they weren't in person, you could start doing some videos. Like you know, doing videos and even I actually, it's it's funny you say that because
2: I got a really really good friend, Colin Gibson, and that lives in Idaho. And he came and visited me last last year, and we did a one hour spur build, where we built
0: a set of horse spurs on YouTube in one hour. Yeah, that's cool. And that that would be something that you probably could get some traction with. Um, and well,
2: right now it's got nine point two or three thousand views. Yeah, that's cool.
0: I'm going to now I'm going to go look at it. It's going to have 9.2 or 3,000 plus one here in a little bit (laughs) because I know what I'm going to be doing.
2: (laughs) It's pretty neat.
0: Because I've uh, I've always been fascinated, you know, with some of that stuff. Not fascinated enough to where I've just, you know, dove off into all the retail. But yeah, even yeah. growing up, you know, in Missouri, every year we'd go down to Branson to the Silver Dollar City, you know, for vacation. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's Disney World to a redneck family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'd go down there and, you know, you'd watch them do all of that steel work and all that that kind of yeah. stuff. And, um yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know kind of how all of that stuff can get built and how you can shape it and, and all of that. And how many, you yep. know, as far as when you're building these, how many different, you know, you know, like this isn't one piece, I assume that you're, you know, No, that, that's uh, two how pieces. Many, two pieces. So you basically yep. you have your shank and then you have and, your band. Yep. And then how do you, how are you like, how do you connect and do you just heat it up and how does that work? Because it's certainly uh, not the base, right the there that you can see.
2: The bands are, they're cold bent, so I don't heat the bands up before I bend them. Uh-huh. And the shank, it's welded on there. It's TIG welded. TIG welded, okay. And, yeah, TIG welded and and sanded down and polished. And yeah,
0: man, they sure look good. Thank. You. What what about quality? How do you how, how how has that developed? Or you know, since you started, or what I have you found that works best? I
2: have been extremely lucky in the fact that all the thousands of pairs I've put out there, I've been able to have my hands on every pair. Yeah. So far. I mean, to say that I, I would like to get to a spot to where that's not true is like a double edged sword. I mean, it means I'm, I'm taking the next step and expanding. But at the same time, it means
0: my eyes leave that fur. Man, isn't that such an interesting conundrum? Because, um, you know, you see, you're seeing this in the rope industry right now, and and honestly, I think it's to the detriment in the rope side of things. Because literally, there's and there's a lot of well-known people that are putting ropes out there that yeah. that are not touching every rope. And what they, I get it because they need to scale because. Like how do you justify doing this? This is a lot of time. this is a lot of work how do How do I justify yeah. building ropes or building spurs when you know the money's kind of you reach a peak maybe because of the yeah. market so niche however the the detriment on the quality side is you know as a guy, if you're ordering a rope, you know you don't know who's actually making that rope, and there's times where I'll order i've in the past ordered a rope from you know an individual and you know, I love their rope. And the next time I order the same one, it's not the same thing. And, and a lot of it has to do with, it's not the same person making it. Yeah,
2: you're exactly right. Like in my, in my, in my business, it's a little, it's a little different in the fact that it's not so much the niche that, that I need to expand. It's the fact that I, Other than myself, it's my son out there helping me polish and do little Mm -hmm. things like part time because he's got a job himself. Yeah, and so we're we're at max capacity, right? Like like this year alone, we've already
0: shipped out five hundred pairs. Man, it's crazy. And so that's cool, though. I I mean, from when you started, I'm I'm sure that makes you really proud of what you what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So on that front, though, so basically, you know, one of the biggest things that you know, like, one way that you know, looking at it from just through logic, could be, you know, there are probably little things that you know, you you could have somebody do to where it wouldn't it wouldn't interfere with the quality, but it could buy you time yeah. and help you know help with that time side of things. Like you said, you know, having somebody do the polish work or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And then the other the other option, I guess, would be training somebody and having somebody apprentice under you until they're fully ready to take on something and, and, and you've been with them and, you know, you've kind of developed that person to be able to put out the same quality of work with the same standards that you have. Yes, definitely. That That's, that's kind of my,
2: my, I don't know if you'd call it near future plan, but is to bring somebody on that could possibly do like parts or polishing and stuff like that. Yeah. And like like I've in the past, I've, I've had a reputation of being late on several orders. And I, I promise, like, as true as I could be, it's not because I've deliberately been late. It's because I put so much pressure on myself in saying, I, I did five pairs today. How can I sustain that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know like for me, when I've, you know, ordered ropes and stuff in the past, and really yeah. anytime I order equipment that's being made, especially if it's being made, you know, custom, like I have a timeline, like I'm expecting to wait, you know, I know the yeah. rope standards. Like, you know, if you, if you're not willing to wait four months for a custom rope, that's about what the pretty much the standard wait time is, depending yeah. on the year, you know, uh, sometimes like I'm not quite as picky with my ropes as a lot of guys. So there's a lot of times where I'll have somebody make me a rope and I'm like, look, I'm not as picky. I just need to make sure the handle's not too big or the tail's not too yeah. big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then a lot of times people will have one in stock that they, you know, I can get it quick, but outside of that, like, you know, as far as for rodeo people is understanding there is a wait time so you better order before you need it (laughs) yeah you know and even having a backup isn't bad like even now i have a backup 100x helmet and just through the years i've learned if i don't have a backup of you know any of my equipment then i'm probably not in a great spot well
2: kind of well i guess that that kind of kind of works both ways especially for the spurs because if, if spurs are something that you you can you can ride with a rope that's kind of wore out or whatever, for a little while. But spurs, you think you want to change the angle? You you need that change right now. It, it's right. not, yeah, it's not something that your spurs are going bad. But
0: yeah, hundred percent. Well, and there are some spurs that aren't very quality, and yeah, you will yeah. you know freaking you just get. Raked off one time on the shoots and that spur. I watched Buddy Travis Carhoff get on one freaking completely just turn his spur all the way into the side of his boot. Yeah, <laughs> I <was> like dang.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually, I,
2: I, I bent uh, two spurs when I was riding real heavy. I bent two of them by spurring on one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you're if you're booting one, that can definitely, and freaking it'll hurt your freaking heel too. Yeah, when I had them yeah. three inch shanks and like, yeah, I don't, I I like to get really cheap dress boots to ride in because I feel okay. like they're the lightest. It really has nothing to do with anything other than weight, and it's super low quality leather, so it's super light. And mm-hmm. I found that honestly, they've lasted me just as long as a, a good quality set. But a lot of times, the leathers, you know, super moldable, so I don't have to break them in. You know, when I'm you know putting my straps around and uh my boot straps so yeah. i always get ones like that but the problem is when you go to kick on one man you will yeah. get off sometimes and your freaking heel will be throbbing. Well, <laughs> speaking about boots like like you'll find this funny
2: when i was riding see i, I broke i broke my leg and had an ankle uh, plate put on my ankle and After that, it was like I couldn't wear pull-on boots because it wasn't enough support for my ankle. So I switched to lace-ups for a while. And then I was somewhere and my boot ripped or something, and I needed a pair of boots. Well, there was a girl that was there, and she let me wear her English riding boots. And that became my favorite pair of boots. A riding boot. an
0: english riding boot man i that yeah. may be my near future because i just freaking mess my freaking ankle and leg up pretty bad and yeah. um, that's one thing i've been thinking about just because now that i'm like walking on it i can tell like i know i'm gonna have to like you know get extra support I'm gonna have to probably tape yeah. it up especially when i first come back um but i i was wondering about my my boots too because i yeah. don't have hardly any padding on my boots like it's like really thin leather Well, see, with me it was almost like ever since they put that plate in there i had a
2: wobbly feeling and i still do to this day it's like a wobbly feeling in my ankle and i i was first using ariot lace-up boots and that's the most support like i never taped my ankle or anything just using them yeah, ariot like lace-up boots was perfect but then when i used them english riding boots and they're, they're a women's version, but they're black and they got a zipper in the front. Like, like
0: I love them. Um, Yeah, Keith Hall, he wore lace ups. I don't know. I don't think he is now. He wore lace ups for a long time. And yeah. then, honestly, I, I haven't seen any lately, but there was guys that went through that phase where they were getting regular pull up boots, right? Pull yeah. up boots and then they would freaking cut it.
1: Yeah, and and they would make, laces. yeah,
0: they'd put laces in it and make them with <laughs> lace ups. And I, yeah. I think maybe too, because there's not really that I know of, there's not any like lace up, like bull riding lace up boots. So, yeah, yeah. like boots that really fit that bull rider style, but are lace ups. So, people just started doing it themselves. <laughs> yeah. But I haven't and, seen and, them in a minute.
2: so. And I, I think that was one of the ideas that the Brazilians came over with. <laughs>
0: probably. Yeah, probably. They have so many, like... Hey, great ideas. Yeah, yeah. Freaking, their straps, I, I, I'll I, never use any other straps other than what them Brazilians are, are putting out yeah. there. You know, they, it's, they have a perfect setup to where, you know, I can slip my freaking spurs on. I don't, you know, I don't have to wire them down. Use cable, yeah, and the the straps that go around that tie on the top, and then they wrap around your boots. And yeah, genius. (laughs) They they definitely they definitely
2: put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, and it goes with everything: the
0: ropes, or spurs, all of it. Yeah, they're always thinking about something, (laughs) whether it's comfort, (laughs) whether it's something to give them an advantage. Yeah, talk a little bit about these. you know, you mentioned earlier with the, Bora, the the Brazilian style spurs. Now, you know, yeah, there's probably okay. some listeners that don't really understand what you're saying. So, okay, explain a little bit about what that style is like and what that looks like when they put them in. What? The, how do they even explain that? A lot
2: of times when they order, I'll start from the back. A lot of times when they order, they send me a picture, and and the way it works is. I can almost tell exactly what they're going to order most of the time. Because if it's a new face, a Brazilian, he's going to start out with that Brazilian style. Mm-hmm. And and then eventually he'll come around like Kayakia. I think he still wears them. He's one of the only older Brazilians that still wears that style.
0: Yeah, he, that's actually... I was watching him. I forget what event I was at. And I... um I didn't... I, I'd never really noticed, you know, what spurs he was wearing. And um, he was walking by and I, I was looking down and I guess I saw his, his spurs and yeah. I was like, dang, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't even know it was legal in the PBR, but apparently. Now, it
1: was-
2: the now the, the actual shape of it is genius, in my opinion. And I had, I can't remember if it was Kayaki or Savano. One of them explained it to me in Vegas one year. It comes down. You've seen it come down off of the heel bend at like a 45 degree angle. And then it goes straight out. Well, if you look, if you visualize the side of a bull's belly, it comes down and then slants. So it fits underneath their belly. Perfect. Interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the exact shape of the, the underbelly. That's fascinating. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. So that's kind of, I guess, the purpose behind it.
1: Yeah. And they they
0: almost look like they have a little bit of a teardrop up at the very end. Well, that's what it looks like.
2: According to, they try to get away with that. Like, according (laughs) to DDR, you can't have any part of it that goes up. Yeah. And, like, they'll they'll send me, Mm. like, especially, like, and that may be why the Fresh Faces send me a picture that they want them because Uh they know that they can't ride in them. <laughs> and and I always, whenever I build a set like that, the end of it's always straight instead of up. Up, oh, yeah. Now yeah. I built a set for Shane Proctor. I don't know if he's still riding in that set or not, but he said that he wore them and he said it was just like having knot holes without being in his rope.
0: In his rope. That's funny. Well, I when when Patrick sent me his junior Patrick Souza. Yeah. Um, and those were like super the older ones, you know, that he had riding in them. Um, and they definitely had a little bit, I mean, they were, they were the, they were coming up a little bit and (laughs) honestly, there's a few guys that, that do. And, and it's not like they really come down. So some of it, I don't know how much it really is coming up, Mm -hmm. but I think that some of them have a little bit of a, an upturn to them. It's, it's not, it's not crazy. It's not certainly, it's not like Mike Lee did where he turned his shank, cut it off flipped it upside down not that
2: or, or or like the set that i built him that the shanks were upside down you you built those for him I, I built i don't know if that's the set you're talking about okay. but i know i built him a set where the shanks was upside down Upside down.
0: <laughs> like like I, I was thinking when he ordered them i was thinking you you got to have a death wish Hey, you know, Denton Fugate and Keith Hall, they always say you can't be scared to win. So, I mean, <laughs> Mike Lee ain't scared to win. I'll tell you that. Well,
2: he he definitely wasn't. Because another thing that I did to his purse, they didn't have a a, a button for the, the strap underneath. It was just oh. a hole. He he wanted to screw them to his boots.
0: Oh, nice. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's... So, so, so like, if, the if he heel, got caught if, in there... So he just drilled a hole through his heel, I'm guessing. Yep. And then, yep. huh. I don't know
2: if he put a, a cable through there or screwed, like screwed it to his heel, or I don't know. I didn't
1: ask questions.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I
2: I, I, I was, I was thinking to myself, you, you're screwing these to your boots. Your shank's upside down. If you get caught in your rope, like they can't help
0: you. Yeah, you, you you ain't coming out. Well, that one time, I guess it was, I, I don't know, was it the Iron Cowboy? I'm not sure what event it was. But he, like, when he came off, his hands were in the air, and he's just, like, yeah. flailing on both sides. <laughs> I think that was maybe the event they are like, okay, we got to ban these. Not yeah. for the safety of the bull riders, because we don't really care what they do. It's really for the safety yeah. of the, the bull fighters and, and the stock. <laughs> yeah, exactly I probably right. agree. There's probably some cases where you you went a little bit overboard,
1: yeah
2: <laughs> I mean I mean it's it's kind of like the row rule like like I some of the rows they was getting kind of out of hand, oh man,
0: there's some there's some beefy ones out there i've you know I've never with the whole rows I started using Cochelle rows super early on. Yeah. So I really don't even know much difference as far as like experientially understanding the difference in these. I'm really unaware because and I also have been using a rope body for so long um, that, you know, I know guys will get the big fat stitch body and um, heck Mason Taylor when he first came up. I'll never forget yeah. looking at that freaking old, I don't know, barstool rope or something like that. A yeah. not freaking that big on a stitch body <laughs> rope. And, you know, freaking, you know what he was grabbing everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it, with the row idea, it, it's like I tell my
2: son if you have any intention on going to the PBR, then you might as well just get used to them, whether you yeah. like them or not. Right.
0: Yeah, and I don't like changing my equipment a whole lot, so I'm not one that's just big on changing equipment, and so yeah, I, for me, it's like, if you're going to have to use this here, I'm going to use it everywhere.
2: Yeah, I I mean, it's like, I don't know if you know him, but Brandon Chambers? Yeah. um, Yeah. Like, I've known him ever since he got on his first bull, and he told me when he ordered his first, he, he said, I don't change nothing. He he said, So this he said, We're buddies. He said, But this is probably the last pair of spurs I'm gonna get from you.
0: <laughs> That's mm-hmm. funny. I the only thing I I obviously I get new ropes and I feel like, you know, getting on better bulls, if you're getting on better bulls more consistently it wears your yeah. ropes down. So I find that oh, I'm yeah. going through more yeah. ropes nowadays than when I first started going to amateur deals where I could make a rope last, you know, a year, year and a half, two years. Yeah nowadays i feel like you know a good new rope that really fits the quality and what i like out of a rope will only last me maybe a quarter of the season you know i'm probably using needing about four ropes a year but also that's you know partly due to what kind of rope i use and you know i i kind of like blake lewis style kind of that brazilian rope but more of a smaller kind of almost american block you know smaller brazilian block you know they wear yeah. down a little faster. And, and those rank bulls, you know, when I first got on tour a couple of years ago where, you know, I, I actually got on tour to where I was, you know, going there multiple events. Yeah. You know, I remember yeah. Cody Nance talking to me about it. Cause I was like, man, my ropes are wearing out. And he's like, you're gonna have to get, you know, a lot more ropes because, you know, when you start getting on better bulls a lot more, okay, yeah. your ropes will wear out, but spurs, that's not the case at all. So, yeah. you know, guys really can mm-hmm. use a set of, Spurs for a long time. I think I've only yeah. had four spurs in my entire career. Yeah, and that's yeah. me. That's with me changing spurs. You know, not not because not, I need them. Out. Yeah, yeah, they're not wearing out. That's just because I wanted to change lengths to or styles.
2: Well, it, it's kind of like like you you listen to a lot of business like information and and videos and stuff where I do anyway. And they always talk about customer retention. Well, I almost feel like the spur world is in a spot to where you can't focus on retention in, in the sense that the guys are only getting one or two pairs total.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, th- there's also guys that probably go through them a lot. And you see their face quite yeah. frequently. I know, um, and yeah. I don't know how many times Quentin gets new spurs, but Quentin Vault goes through equipment like, anybody i've ever seen the man yeah, he's freaking ordered, he, he's
2: ordered a couple
0: pairs he's ch- he changes it up and he, even if it's the same freaking thing it's just like you know like i he's yeah. got probably 50 billion uh, vests and every glove he's ever had hanging up on the wall and
2: <laughs> well it's, it's it's like i don't know if it's an actual ritual or, or whatever but it seems like at the nfr every year everybody starts out with new stuff and and I'm over here thinking, well, I know they're not going to start out with new Spurs. That that <laughs> completely...
0: <laughs> You know, you know what? That, that well, this new season when it starts up in you know November, hopefully, I'll yeah. be, I think I should be back in in November. Um, yeah. I'll go around and I'll start doing little like little interview things just asking guys on how how quick they're going through equipment and yeah and you know get some some data on that cuz that that would be interesting like how many vests are you going to opposed to how many freaking spurs you're going to yeah and I, honestly I would, I would, vests that's an interesting thing cuz I think guys should go through vests way more than they do like, you should well, at least re- be replacing padding, probably in your vest, every six months, to be honest.
2: You you know what I think that is? Like, I've thought about that. Like, 100X, they do a good job of promoting how important the padding is. With the vest company, they never push it.
0: <laughs> never. They're, they're just selling the vest. Well, and yeah. a, this is an interesting thing, too. Uh, Ride Right versus, you know, you, you're you too big or Phoenix and Ride Right. And yeah um uh what's the that other company that they're they're just now starting to maybe gain some traction and that's kind of cool to see um well we'll think about it i'll probably think of it later but there's another one that's kind of more of a hard it's like an in between that hard style like bull bull bullfight vest and you know your uh you know regular vest but um the difference between um phoenix and and ride right is ride right you can't replace the the padding inside of it without like cutting it. Like it's not made to where you can take it out. Whereas Phoenix, you it it's made to replace the padding inside of it. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I
2: always had Phoenix, but I didn't know that that was a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, on the inside, on the on the back part, it actually has a slit there to where you can yeah, put I, the padding out, right? Yeah, so you can you <laughs> could you can replace all that padding in there, and it's meant to do that. Um, I haven't looked to see like you know how much it cost or buying it from Phoenix, but I assume that's what it's meant for—not freaking washing it.
2: Yeah, um, it's like I told you. But Ride right, Ride doesn't. Uh, it's like I told you. I work with TK Specialties. And um, I've tried to tell explain to him he needs to push that that is the safest, best, yeah, and, and push that side of it.
0: Did TK and so this other company is like TK, but they're okay. not quite as extreme as TK. TK okay. even harder shells, and yeah for, yeah, for sure, on getting stepped on in safety, it's a hundred percent more safe to have that hard shell i i would almost guarantee it yeah um, but i feel is an interesting thing and you're in such a dangerous sport already like yeah know, it's like me telling dakota eagle every time i get in my freaking van and the uh the headrest on the back he'll take yeah. them off so that he can wear his cowboy hat when he's driving <laughs> well there's a reason that those are on there so that you don't freaking snap your <laughs> neck if you get in a wreck but bull. he doesn't wear a helmet when he rides bulls. So who am I to be like, hey Dakota, you know, it's a lot safer if you freaking actually put that headrest and let yeah, it do its job. So
2: <laughs> see, I, I was kinda me me starting out in like ninety eight and that, like safety was probably one of the last things I ever thought about. Like like winning was way more important than not getting hurt. <laughs> and and
0: I always like I, I can kind of say both sides of it, actually. There, there's definitely both sides to it. You know, like you're in a sport where you have to have that no reserve, you know, yeah. where yeah, that's yeah. out. But at the same time, like if this is your career and you're actually making a living doing yeah. it, there's certain things where, you know, if you can prevent getting hurt and you can prevent, you know, not missing two months of the year. Well, yeah. that, now you can actually make money, whereas, you know, if if you do you know get messed up and you have to miss you know two or three months because of something you could have prevented yeah but now on a exactly. business side and, and a career standpoint that does not make sense financially it really doesn't make sense even if you just love getting on bulls because you're not going to be able to
2: <laughs> yeah like 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 i've I've thought about it a lot like like there's plenty of decisions i could have made back then to, to lengthen a career which i didn't get out for health reasons by no means the reason why i got out just simply because spurs took over yeah and
0: and you love doing it yeah yeah like and
2: like as far as the health side of it like i i think i think back i should have made this decision then instead of going full out for it and and maybe that would have made a difference but then how do you how do you as a rider judge what's what
0: yeah, like, like, am I making
2: a business decision or am I making a winning decision?
0: Man, yeah. Well, and and sometimes it's either. Sometimes it's it's not. You know, sometimes it's either or. Um. Yeah. Man, it 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 changes things. There there is times you know, especially. So the great example of this is this shortened season that the PBR has now, yeah. right? Yeah. So a shortened season like this, you know, now that really changes things because when it's a longer season, the winning decision may be to okay, I need to take a weekend, I need to take two weekends off. I need to do this so that I can actually perform okay, at yeah. a higher like, level. You know, yeah. and and riding her is not going to benefit me in the long run. And and but in the sh- in if it's a shortened seasoned, well now you're really forced to ride through a lot of stuff that maybe you wouldn't have rode beforehand. Yeah. Uh, you look at true. even this year. Look at how the the World Series, the uh, the World Series, um, the the C, the world title in the season worked out last year in the PBR, yeah. where honestly those that time off that riders took very easily probably cost them a world title. Yeah. You, know, if you look at Jose. You're, he spent a lot of time off, you're, you're and exactly right. He could have rode, and Jose the freaking beast, and yeah. he would have rode. He may not yeah. have won every freaking event, but he may have, Um but he yeah. could have, he could have maybe came back two weekends early, you know, and yeah. straps three bulls and that could have put him, you know, right there over the top at the the world finals. I mean, some of that speculative, you know, you really don't know. Uh And, you know, that's just an example. And, you know, certainly I don't know everything that he was dealing with and, and, you know, there's yeah. certain things that come into play, but, But now, too, you have two different seasons, right? So now you have a team series, and now you have a regular season. Well, that that even adds a little bit more. So now it's like, okay, well, yeah, I could go after this individual world title, but by pushing through this, it's going to hurt me for the team series. And do you balance, and and what do you sacrifice in in, in doing all of that? So I think that the complexity of that question is, is, is rather deep. When you really get into it and it's super individual and in what well, you're after, one, one
2: thing that I question, and I hope one of them higher ups like watch this video on on this idea, is why can't it both be one season?
1: Well, like, I like think NASCAR, NASCAR well, one season Liv,
0: with teams and individuals, yeah. Live does it too. Live golf, okay. And what, they, what they did, um uh is is the exact same thing so live live how it works and i think this is how nascar works but i know in the golfing world live works like this okay so you have a tournament of you know x amount of guys i don't know if it's 45 like uh, i'm not sure what the exact number is but so you have that tournament everybody's playing for an individual title of that tournament yeah. right and yeah. they get individual payouts however they're also part of a team and yeah you know, they take a, they compile each of those individuals into a team. So now they're the team payout at the end and there's an individual payout. Yeah. Um. And yeah. there's an individual title and there's a team title. The PBR is not, I don't, it's not really like that. They still have the MVP. So they kind of have yeah. little hints of that. And, and I like that, but from what I'm, what I hear again, this is w- what I've heard from what is said, right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean a whole lot because transparency that at all time low, When it comes to this kind of stuff, but, um, like Sean, uh, you know, initially he had said that he wants to have a regular season and he wants to have a team series. Okay. And Sean Gleason said this on the, um, the NFP podcast, Okay. Uh, that he wants to have, you know, the regular season that will still pay out a million dollars bonus, and then he yeah. wants to have the team series. And the transition though will look like the team series is being like the premier tour, and yeah. all the people that still want the individual title still can do the regular season, but that will become more of, you know, kind of a offshoot or an or a kind of a lower level because most yeah. of the guys will want to be on the team. However. I think that's changed from what I'm hearing now. What what they what they've even talked about, they told us at the PBR meetings, Kent, who is over yeah. the, that department, um, with the team series stuff, he talked about them wanting to build like a minor league system. So now you okay. have right now you have the built the U T B, right? And yeah. you have the velocity tour. Now the velocity yeah. tour is an extension tour. It's not really a minor league system, although it's kind of is it's an yeah. extension tour. It hits mm-hmm. all of the cities. That the big tour doesn't hit. Right. And so instead of having that system, they would have a team series, which would be, you know, the the right now it's the camper world team series. Right. And then they would have a minor league system where each of those teams would have in a different city, a minor league team. And it would it would work more like that, which is closer to what you see in like baseball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but again all of this stuff is not you know I that's that's just what I've heard I don't know much I, more than that
2: I just, I just almost feel like separating them diminishes the value of a world
0: title Oh it definitely does no the, the world yeah. title is not only diminished um it's purposely diminished they really are yeah. putting what you know that tradition the traditional bull riding they are really yeah. they're changing from that and they're, and, and they're perfectly and almost, going the other direction.
2: I almost wonder, and like I'm not in there like you, but I wonder if it's driving a
0: wedge between team riders, individual riders. I don't know. That's a good question. I w- we will find out. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I don't know, and I don't know what. I what's mean,
2: up. I'm sure there's some of them that's still going to be the same, but I'm I'm sure there somewhere in there there's boiling animosity between the two.
0: there could be i don't know i haven't i haven't sensed that i think time will tell on a lot of it you know i think right now as far as from the contestant point of view and the writer's standpoint yeah you know a lot of the writers are still in this not completely i don't want to say we're not sold on sold on it i mean i think the idea a lot of guys are sold on the idea of it it's really it's really the um ability to execute on those ideas in a way that the riders can actually stand behind it and be as sold on this idea as they are on the traditional way of doing things. And I think the idea itself is amazing. You know, I, I love the idea of KBR teams and I love the idea of what that can actually do for athletes and riders and really even the coaches and, and stuff like that. But, and this is a big, but, It has to be executed right. If it's not executed right, you know, if the riders, you know, if this is a way of taking control of the riders and the riders having, you know, little of or no say and of importance. So, look, it's one thing if you're getting paid $3 million and, you know, and and all the riders are making tons of money, then that's different than if the riders are the last ones to get fed. You know, yeah. but they're yeah. the ones that taking all the risk. Then that whole idea really doesn't isn't executed the way that it should be. You know, and and so you have to have some level of grace with the team stuff because it's just brand new. It's a brand new yeah. sport. And so, but like
2: I, 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 I really like like you. Like I like the idea of it, and I like that it's progress, and that progress means better eventually. But I really like you I, I think they need to build that trust with the writer first yeah i think it's
0: important um and i i'm not i don't know if they will or will not you know i i don't know i know that this whole process that they've they've done lately has not i can tell you in the locker room outside of you know some of the guys who uh you know are maybe sold on it there's still a lot of guys that aren't sold on this process and they've really yeah. they've really um they've abused the trust of the riders yeah. And, yeah. and really they've used them for marketing purposes. And yeah. that's really, that's a bad thing when you start using your athletes to market yourself, but at the expense of your athletes, like, you know, you know, just like that market you're talking about, like the bull riders, there's a, <laughs> there's, you're not, you're not selling spurs for 800 bucks a pop. Or a thousand dollars yeah. to pop, right? There is a there is a ceiling there. Well, there's also you know when you have an organization that's really abusing their contestant's financial ability to do things. That's an yeah. Issue. And and the PBR has been known to do that. There's, most of the stuff you see that the PBR does, I say most, there's some, but most of it the the athletes aren't getting paid for, and they're yeah. they are they're yeah. not getting paid a lot for. Um, yeah, I think it even you know, you have specific people that the PBR decides, okay, we want to use this person as a face that can be different, you know. But when you yeah. break down like holistically all of the riders, and you know, if you have a hundred guys, you know, that are going regularly, you know, yeah. they've really abused kind of those people that are either just coming up outside of a few. Ooh or even just uh, you know the guys that have been grinding it out and they've committed their their lives to this sport and you know they may not be winning a world title.
2: Well, one thing I always wonder, like you go to Vegas and you see like like the who's hot posters everywhere. And I often wonder, do they really have a choice if they're the the poster person?
0: <laughs> like like well, like, I think you do. You you do have you do have a choice, okay? And that's a great question. And I think that, you know, this is an interesting place we're in, right? So yeah. the writers have a choice, right, to say, mm-hmm. I'm worth this, you know. Yeah. However, it's not just that simple because you can say that, but at the end of the day, if you try to say no. Like what are th- what are the consequences of that? What are the consequences of exactly. not conforming exactly. to the way that way? Yeah. Well, the fear is amongst writers, you know, whether it's said or not, is is that the consequences of me saying this is what I'm worth, um, is that I'll lose my <laughs> entire career and 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 you know what I'm what I'm doing within within this this industry or really within you know the PBR if you wanna if you wanna say that you know, so yeah. like you know and and that's the thing I know within the PBR contracts, for instance, uh, yeah. these contracts of majority like you sign this contract you sign for a team you are required to show up to X amount of, you know, appearances right. Okay. However, yeah. I also know that outside of those contracts, that a lot of these teams are almost requiring or telling guys to show up to way more and to do above and beyond what's well, even well, I can contractual. See where that would be, I can see where that would be held against a guy if he only went yep. to the minimum. Right, correct. But that's unfortunate, yeah. though. And, and this doesn't work out. What's fascinating, this isn't how it works in all the other sports. Yeah. so there is, and again, there, there's some level of grace here because hopefully some of this will change, you know, but also, um, it, the, in other sports, you know, like it, it actually gets legitimate, and and that's where you again you're not going to see it because you know Sean Gleason is adamantly against it, and and the PBR, you know, the corporate PBR is against uh, yeah. any type of union. But and I and I'm not I'm not saying that all unions are good either because believe no, me I'm no. not I'm not I... pro union in as a generalization. However. When you have a corporate that's actually getting to a sp- specific point, that players' union, like you have in these other yeah. uh, sports, actually helps protect guys and makes sure that guy's value is always protected, to where they're You're not exactly getting abused. Right. And so, You're I think exactly right. I think, and, it ha- and I really think it's going to have to come to that in order for both sides to be happy. I I do too, and I think you know I'm, I'm I say I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that. At some point, you know that'll work out. You know, there's been I won't name names, but there's there's other guys involved in the PBR right now that are in very important and key places that come from backgrounds that are not bull riding, but in yeah. other sports, and they agree that a players' union is actually, you know, it, there should be a players' union. Like they, they don't see why not. However, the the PBR is not for that, and Sean Gleason's been very vocal. Uh In any riders who have ever even suggested unionization, which there's been a few times where it's came to one event uh one event almost did not even happen in the p b r oh wow, yeah, like five <laughs> minutes before the event the u t v event, and riders <laughs> didn't even have their gear bag out of their van, oh wow, so there's been a lot of tension on this whole this whole side for a minute. I think the unionization having a players' union would benefit the writers and you'd think it would even not be a detriment to the organization because then if the writers are happy, then the organization should, you know, be happy with how that, and there's guidelines, you know, within those players unions that are for the benefit of everybody, you know? um, Well,
2: you think that if they would allow the union to work out, then that would boost morale. Yep. Yeah, exactly. all, All the way across. Because one's working to help the other.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. So I, I don't know, maybe that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna happen. But I do know that right now there's not a players union and yeah. I think that I think that ov- overwhelmingly the answer would be yes, we want a players union if you ask the writers. The the writers yeah. would actually yeah. prefer a players union. Um the corporate right now is is does yeah. not want a players union. I don't know what that looks like in the future if that ever changes. Um, you know, I know the way the PBR set up uh legally, um yeah, that's yeah. that's where they can put their foot down, you know, it's how yeah. we're paid as a, as riders, um, and all of that, because we're technically individual contractors, you know, we do yeah, our taxes exactly. and stuff, and and so there's there's stuff there that, that does give you know the power in the PBR's hands, plus you know, endeavors, you know, got all the money in the world. So if yeah. you really wanted to try and stand up against them, uh, you would never win any legal battle because whenever you come to that kind of stuff, it's not who's right; it's who has yeah. money. You're exactly right. You know, for the most part, and I, so I don't know, but I think the players' union would be a good idea. But I'm certainly, I'd love the concept of the teams. You know, I think that, you know, the that concept and idea that Sean Gleason and I'm sure whoever his team is put together you know I, yeah. I applaud them on that on that idea i i really believe in that idea but i, I it's think not in executed, order for them it's won't
2: work, it's, it won't work i think in order for them to get paid like major league baseball and nfl it has to be this team concept
0: well it has to be because you're going to have to have uh first of all you're going to have to have people that have money competing yeah. again and and when you have you know, these team owners that are actually competing um for a world title, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot there, right? And there's a lot yeah. on the line. Well now these owners are gonna want to win and they're gonna you yeah, they're gonna pay to win. And so them... well,
2: well, well like the PBR now has a a huge fan base, but you look at NFL, the NFL doesn't have the huge fan base. The teams have individually have the fan
1: right.
0: base. Yeah. And, so, and I, they, I think it should. I think the money should follow too, because I think this is another thing within that that side of things. Now that we got on this team subject, yeah. but so before riders individually, writers individually get sponsors, right? So I'll yeah. get a sponsor that will pay me X amount of dollars. You yeah. know, say a hundred thousand, just as a place number, not yeah. anything. So say it's an easy number, a hundred thousand dollars for this season, right? Well, now if I go to a team, I don't get that sponsor I can't wear anymore. So I lose yeah. that sponsorship, right? So yeah. now that team better, you know, be paying me enough to say, yeah. okay, I'm going to yeah. lose this sponsor. So, you know, that's a big part, too. So as you're saying, though, even to the point where there's a lot of pro athletes that if they show up to Walmart and they're just in their regular clothes, nobody will even know who they are. Outside of there's some stupid famous ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. But If they were wearing a jersey, you know, then everybody knows who they are. They recognize them immediately. So like you're giving up a lot as an individual brand to go on this team concept. So it makes sense that the money should follow and that that would be a sacrifice you're willing to make due to, you know, the compensation that you're making. And I think the PBR, again, you know, what they've done good about this this last year. Uh, ironically, when they got their hand out and sold the the two remaining teams that they owned, is yeah. they placed a minimum to where there is a minimum pay, you know, amongst riders. Okay, they um, put a on. Yep, yeah. even on practice squads. So like you can't if you if you if this pl- player is on your team, whether they're on the practice squad or not, they have to make X amount of dollars. Now, yeah. what's what was the kickback of this? Well, I think it's a great thing. However, if you've noticed, most of these teams don't have a full roster. Not yeah. through their practice squads. Yeah. What they what the team said is, well, we don't need practice squads anymore because we don't want to pay yeah. the guys that. <laughs> so I, there's some fascinating stuff. Now, it would be another thing if the PBR said, okay, we see what you're doing. You have to have a full team and practice squad in order to get yeah. your team to be active. Now, you're talking about expanding, benefiting the riders, you know, those are things, I don't know if they'll happen or how that's going to be work, but I yeah. did notice that last year, everybody had a full practice squad, and then this year, there's a couple teams that do. I believe Cord McCoy's team may be one of them that legit has like 13 okay. or 14 guys, I don't yeah. know, but yeah. um, I'm not sure which team it is, I think it is. Uh, however, um, This year, there's not as many practice guys because they they have to be paid. So teams are just saying, well, we don't really need practice. So that's another thing, though, if they add a minor league system that could expand, you know, what that looks like and and providing, you know. Obviously, if they do, if they do do away with the regular season, they will have to. It'll force their hand. They won't survive just by doing just the big team series and, and no no tour underneath that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Because then guys will make a decision early on to go pro rodeo and that'll happen. Yeah. They'll just lose they'll lose a lot of their membership. Insurance wonder, money, yeah. that's the big thing they make money off of, they'll lose a lot of insurance money. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I always I, I wonder if what's going on now
0: with PBR, if that's driving more people to look PRC's direction. I don't know. I I don't. I think right now we're in a weird spot where some guys yeah. are getting feelers out, even PRCA guys. And you know, I you know, there's a lot of these pro rodeo guys that have, are you know Sage Kimsies and stuff that they belong at yeah. the highest level. They freaking that good. Period. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but I think there's an interesting thing that's going to happen here shortly. If they go to a full bozo full year PBR team series, you're not going to have guys pro rodeo and and pbr and, oh, no, no, at the definitely. same time not quite as much it's going to make it much more difficult yeah. Although, you know especially if you're required to go to x amount of events you know yeah there could be some pro rodeo guys who you know are already qualified you know some of the top guys that could just go maybe go to the big pro rodeos you know the big yeah. events you know and then Go PBR the rest of the year, and if you know win win enough at those big events, they could make the NFR. But for the most part, it's going to force guys to make a decision one way or the other. That that'll be another interesting thing. Because while I I'm and I'm all about you know I'm all about any of these bull riders. Like, hey, if you can make some money, you know, riding bulls. If 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 this is helping you right now and this is put you in a good spot financially go for it, do it, you know? Yeah. But um, I don't know that there, all of these pro rodeo guys are so sold that they would choose the PBR over the NFR. Does that make sense? If it's ever I, a decision... I, I agree with you. If it's ever a decision whether it's the yellow shoots or the PBR team series finals, unless the money is stupid, I don't yeah, see I agree. a lot of guys... Agree 100%. Them. And I, I do see guys that will say... I'm done with the PBR. I'm going to go pro rodeo. And we're already seeing that. There's multiple guys this year that were, you know, the last two years, there's multiple guys that you see rode in the PBR, very successful in the PBR, and said, no, I'm not about this. I'm going PRCA. Cole Malanson's one of them. Um, He's been rodeoing, and he's not been going. He's not on UTV. He hasn't been. Is he good enough? Definitely is. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, so you you see actually multiple guys that are doing that.
2: It's one of them things, like, I don't care what bull rider you are. The, the, the anxiety, I guess, might not be the right word, but the, the thrill to ride in the yellow buck and chutes is there, no matter what level of bull rider you are. And I don't think you'll ever take that away because, and I think the PRC has done awesome in that by not changing anything.
0: Tradition is a big deal. So this is an interesting thing. Tradition is a really big deal. And, you know, it's what made that deal with like live in the PGA monstrous because it it takes a lot to overthrow tradition uh, to even to even be able to get in and stir things up. It takes a lot. You know, you have a PGA that has more tradition than just about any other freaking sports organization. And a lot of, a lot of money, billions of dollars to be able to, you know, pull up an association that can compete with it. And the PC PRCA has been um, very traditional and they've really, you know, been on that side and they have a long history. And I think that, you know, on that side of things, you know, they're in a good place. What's interesting with PBR is by if they get to the point where they're they're sacrificing the regular season, they're really they're kind of getting away from the their own tradition, starting up something new. It's a big risk. It that's a huge yeah. risk. Like yeah, uh, you, know, because, you know the the best case scenario if it doesn't work out would be it would go back to the regular season, but that would still be a detriment to the tradition because that, that part, those three years, four years, five years, however long that 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 morale they'd lose a lot. They'd lose a lot yeah. out of it. However, I I think they're fully committed. They definitely fully committed, and I do yeah. believe the idea has uh you know enough behind it to actually flourish. And obviously, you're seeing major companies that are getting behind this team deal as far as their own branding. So yeah. these sponsoring these new companies and new sponsors are starting to show up, and and you're starting to see them kind of try to attach themselves to these teams and all of that. So yeah, definitely. I wonder, one of the big things I wonder with that whole ordeal will be um, uh, the TV contracts. And that's something that, so right now, PBR has a deal with CBS Sports, right? Okay, well, yeah. other other sports leagues, the owners and these teams make their money a lot off of the, off the TV contracts. So, like, for instance, I'm in St. Louis, uh, when I want to watch the Cardinals, I can't just go to... TV, I have to go to Bally Sports, right? That's the contract between okay, yeah. the, you know the the team and, and the, the the you know the network. So yeah. so that's how a lot of these teams make money. Um right now that's not that's not the case with these PBR deals and these teams are making well, no money off of TV contracts. So I don't know Here, if that changes or not. Here's
2: my question, especially as far as that goes, because I've studied it a lot on the sling and shank side, is I wonder how much how much longer the networks and stuff is gonna be in the equation because with the way YouTube and and social media is, I wonder if they might become their own network.
0: Well, I mean I don't know. I mean I know with CBS sports, so like uh um Pluto TV, right? Yeah. That's owned by CBS. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I, I do know that a lot of it's going more on the streaming route, and we're seeing that, certainly, in, in these, these apps and stuff. But but I, I'm not sure on that. That's an interesting equation, whether, like, the PBR starts up their own network. Really, though, it would have to be the team. I think the monetary side for team ownership would have to be, again, it could be a lack of my understanding, but from what I understand, you know, monetarily these these t v contracts and making deals um on that end is where the money's at for like ownership and stuff
2: well well like like my biggest question like like with what I was saying there, maybe I worded it wrong, but like say for example mr beast the 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 richest youtuber yeah, yeah. why why would you spend all that money on the on the network side of it if you can get paid to to put your, your your video and
0: event on YouTube? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think one is with YouTube, right? For instance, if you use YouTube as an example, they've been known yeah. to <laughs> ban people. So there's a okay. lot of there's a lot of stuff you have to worry about on being like okay, on okay. doing that, um, yeah. and I don't know what all the other stuff as far as like your sponsors and stuff, but I know there's certain things you cannot do on on YouTube. Okay, okay. Another deal you is, is I I believe I believe this is true. I believe that the. The PBR gets paid by CBS Sports, not the other way around.
1: Oh, so I okay, believe okay.
0: that the network's actually paying. So basically, you have CBS, right? And yeah. they have to fill all of these slots, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they make their money, but they pay in you know these these places places to come in. It's the same yeah. deal with um all these streaming services, right? So. Yeah. They pay, but they pay a lot less than like movie theaters. So, like, um, Burt Kreischer, you know, he talked about this on one of the podcasts where he was talking about the movie and, like, you know, why not just go to the streaming services because that's where it's at. And he said, Well, financially, it actually, the movie theaters, you make more money because you actually get a cut out of the oh, okay, movie yeah. sales. Whereas yeah. on the streaming side, you don't get a cut, you get a flat fee and it's not as much. So, all right, that I think makes there's sense. some. There's some details in there where, you know, the PBR is making their money from that contract. But the kicker is the PBR is making the money from the contract. The individual teams are not unless unless they fought enough and they did. They're divvying it out to the teams. I doubt they're doing that. But unless that's happening, Um, which is why, I guess, to to see that, why are they coming out with all these little TV shows and stuff? Probably because the ownership's like we have to monetize. We don't have a TV contract, so we better start like you know the Sunder have these these seasons and stuff like that. Okay, like, yeah. If you follow the money, you'll find where you want to go. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But <laughs> man, we've talked we've talked about Spurs, you getting started and the team yeah. stuff. Um, man, it's been nice having you on here. I'll let you go. Um, definitely. But um, I'll I'll definitely be staying in touch with you. You know. All right. Um, maybe we'll yeah. work out getting a cool cool pair of custom spurs made that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you don't need okay. spurs, but maybe you just want to, you know, look cool. So you can get a cool <laughs> pair of looking spurs. I don't know. That would be Keith Hall's, you know, his whole I thing. I
1: actually had a
0: a guy
2: in Vegas one year. He was he was a big businessman and he he thought the spurs looked cool and he wanted me to make him a set to sit on his desk at work. Oh cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Heck yeah. Well, man, uh, what do? How can people find you? What are your social media right. tags? It's uh, slinging
2: shanks underscore or slinging underscore shanks on Instagram, and then Facebook. I think it's just slinging shanks. Uh, YouTube is slinging shanks and Western Edge is slinging shanks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely get on the app and, and check him basically, out. And, basically you can find it anywhere at Sling and Shanks. Yeah. If you Google Sling and Shanks, you can find them too. So um yeah. definitely you're the most well known, you know, bull riding spur maker, and I don't see that changing at all, no matter what. You've done such a great job on quality and making it affordable for the riders. I think everybody has good things to say about you. Um yeah. but Guys, thanks it's for joining in. Thanks for joining in. Um, continue to follow Sling and Shank, see what he's doing. If you need spurs made, he is the place to go. You're not going to get a better uh, pair of quality spurs for a better price. So, thanks for joining in, guys. We'll see.